And now, Manufacturing Matters with your host, Cliff Waldman. Good day, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Manufacturing Matters. I'm Cliff Waldman. I'm the host of this weekly series on Manufacturing Talk Radio. This is the series where we cover all things manufacturing in an effort to help you understand a rapidly changing world. We do cover the headlines, both economic and political. You know that they matter a great deal to your business, to the manufacturing world. But these days, we have to get a lot deeper, a lot more intellectual, because this is a complex time when disruptions are coming at us from all quarters of life, from technology, from geopolitical disruptions, from new, new ways of thinking, new science, new technology, new economic thinking. And we are here to help our listeners understand how all of this is going to contribute to a new day in the U.S. manufacturing sector. We have been blessed with some great guests thus far. It's an early history of our show. It just began at the beginning of this calendar year. We've had Rob Atkinson. We've had Dr. Bob Lehrman. We've had Michael Mandel. We've had Chad Motre. All of the top thinkers in Washington, D.C. We've had Francois Goh, an excellent and experienced uh, manufacturing marketing executive, take you into the C-suite. We'll be doing more of that. Every once in a while, um, I will be giving a solo podcast to my audience, a chance to spend a little real time with the audience, and I enjoy that. I am an economist with 30 years of experience. I'm very much enjoying this as a new experience in my career. And I want to take you to a new place, but it's a place that shouldn't be new. We're thinking more and more about what's going on in the world. We should be. I am broadcasting this on a day when the markets are very heavily down because of concerns about China. We'll be focusing on China. But we don't want to be myopic. This world is changing in a great many ways. And the part of the world that I want to take you to is the second largest landmass in the world, the second most populated landmass in the world, one that contains 54 sovereign nations and two disputed territories. Some of those sovereign nations are among the fastest-growing economies in the world. And you would think with all of that, we'd be spending a lot more time talking about Africa. But there is a dearth of a discussion that on Africa and the African continent that very soon is going to have a big impact on new markets for manufacturers. And I'm going to offer some thoughts and some comments about it today. My relationship with Africa began in the 1990s, 1995 to be specific, year after Nelson Mandela came to power and South Africa was the focus, the hopeful focus of a new Africa, one that the entire world paid attention to. When After that happened, a delegation came to Washington to the White House Conference on Small Business, and I was working in small business research at that time. I gave them a tour of the publications in the research unit that I was working in, and I found myself in October of that year 
on the way to post-apartheid South Africa to give them a lesson in data collection, data analysis, creating a data program for a, a new economic regime in South Africa. My attention for on Africa has stayed ever since then. Right now, with my 15 years of experience in manufacturing research, Africa is a fascinating and important place for thinking about new markets for manufacturers. It's a difficult world out there. The China, the China trade frictions are making it difficult uh, for manufacturers. Brexit and all of the uncertainty that goes with it is making it difficult for manufacturers. Some of the unfortunate tensions that the U.S. has seen lately with Canada and Mexico are making it difficult for manufacturers. The immigration debate, the acerbic immigration debate, is making it difficult for manufacturers. In such a world, Africa, uh, with all that it has to offer, may be something that our audience, that manufacturers who are listening to me ought to think about. Let's talk about the globe in terms of population shifts. I've talked about this before for our audiences. The global population growth is slowing. The fertility rate, the birth rate is dropping, and thus there is stresses in the labor force. The share of the world in the working age population, and particularly in the advanced world, is not only flattening, it's starting to fall a little bit. There are just less workers in the world available to, uh, to manufacturers. We hear that complaint all the time. I spoke about this last week with Bob Lehrman. At the same time, populations are concentrating. So the question I ask, in such a world of labor stresses, of, all, of Brexit stresses, of China stresses, is Africa a promising story in this new world? Data on economic growth in sub-Saharan Africa, to date the poorest region in the world, is suggesting that, hey, there's something going on here. The data have been stronger between the 1990s, and you all know that, GDP, that growth data are very volatile, but if you look from between the 1990s and the 2000s, and even following the global economic crisis, the data for sub-Saharan Africa have been stronger. There is something going on there. And as I said, attention must be paid. To, it is the second largest landmass in the world. It is the second most populated landmass in the world. 54 sovereign nations. The total population of Africa is just a little bit below that of India. And you're not, we're not just dealing with one country. We're dealing with the richness of 54 countries and all that that could portend for economic growth, for production, for diversity. Things are starting to get better. Life in Africa is starting to get better. Death, infant mortality, deaths per thousand live births are, have fallen from over 100 in 1991 to below 60 in the, for the latest data in 2017. That is a flat-out drop. At the same time, life expectancy is starting to move. All the indicators of a healthier continent, while still challenged by many, many things, this is not a polyatic view, but the key indicators are suggesting a healthier um, continent. Well, let's get more into those demographic shifts. Unlike the rest of the world, Africa has a young population. Even South Africa, by mid-century, is only predicted, projected to have a median age of 35. 
And if you look at Africa and the, the broad region of less developed regions, Africa is much younger. This is a young population. And on top of being young, they're urbanizing. So what do you have with a young population with a birth rate that has not fallen, a fertility rate that has not fallen, as is the case of the world, unlike much of the rest of the world manufacturers out there, instead of a stressed labor force that's starting to be constrained, you have a growing labor force in much of Africa, and it's urbanizing. Why do I emphasize that it's urbanizing? Well, a lot of economic research suggests that urbanization is great for productivity. It brings people together in efficient ways. It puts more resources in the hands of workers. There are more networks, more knowledge, more, more cluster kind of sharing that economics has shown to be beneficial for productivity um, and for growth. So a lot of good things happening in Africa. Boy, think about a manufacturer who's looking at a market of young people that are moving into cities, that are starting to form households. That should be a market that's interesting to manufacturers. And indeed, we see economic growth firming in previously difficult countries, Nigeria, Kenya, previously troubled growth areas in the 1990s are seeing, you know, the data are volatile, the data are not perfect out of this region, but they are showing a much better picture than they saw in the 1990s. And by the way, I looked at consumer price data. Consumer prices are relatively, relatively constrained here. So it's non-inflationary growth. That's very interesting because it's helping with living standards. Now, the, I wish the data were even stronger on this, but data on living standards, well, they formed in the past year or two. And I suspect that's an aftermath of the financial crisis that hit every living thing on this planet. But generally speaking, the data on per capita GDP, an accepted measure of living standards, are better in Africa. Africa. Also, what's known to be important is not just that GDP growth is better, but the share of GDP growth coming from <coughs> excuse me, capital investment. Because that is stronger, not booming, but stronger than it has been in sub-Saharan Africa, that suggests that growth is very sustainable. The metric that says if you have higher GDP growth accounted for by the investment, the capital investment, business investment share of GDP, uh, that uh, you know that suggests that growth will be sustained. And the fact that we are seeing those data in sub-Saharan Africa, all the more reason for confidence about a, uh, um, an emerging picture that is not booming, but is certainly better than the world has really ever seen in Africa. Now, What's the challenge? The interesting thing here is that the big challenge in Africa, in Africa's development path, and the big boon are both in manufacturing. Manufacturing is both a big challenge in Africa and could be the beneficiary of uh, an awakening of Africa. Now, why do I say that? What's not been good, what has been discouraging is that trade as a percent of GDP in sub-Saharan Africa, in sub-Saharan Africa, the bottom two-thirds of the African continent, 46 out of the 54 countries. 
for a while, trade as a percent of GDP was rising, and then around in the 2010, it started taking a plunge. Now, why is that? Why, 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 with all this other good stuff, is that happening? Well, you have to get down to a little bit of economic theory here. Some of you may like that. Some of you may not, but it helps to get into that. And we have to ask two questions. How do that apply very much to Africa? How do poor countries get richer? And why do some poor countries get rich and others don't? To understand that, you have to appeal to a, a paper by Sir Arthur, the late Sir Arthur Lewis, published in 1954, entitled Economic Development with Unlimited Supplies of Labor. Of labor. <clears throat> this is the most cited economics paper of the 20th century. And basically, to sum it up, Lewis said that the way poor countries, poor, uh, poor countries where the local population is working in subsistence agriculture to feed the rest of the local population is basically just poor, how that country gets from there to middle class is through the path of manufacturing. Capital investment starts being made. Uh, manufacturing starts up. You have a movement of populations from subsistence agriculture, very low productivity, to higher productivity ma manufacturing. Their wages start going up. Labor productivity starts going up. And the growth machine really starts. That that basically happened in China. That's the story of how development happened in China and really the rest of East Asia. Really, the China and East Asia story were an objectification of the Lewis paradigm. But it's not really happening in Africa. It really, Africa is seeing both manufacturing and agriculture uh, fall as a percent of economic growth. What is rising is services. And I suspect that there's a lot of reasons for that, but the one that I think our, our listeners will understand the best is that manufacturing is changing. Digitiz we all know that. Digitization, new technologies, uh, you know, uh, more complex supply chains. So, therefore, it's not the big industrial sector that in developing economies are just going to absorb um, non-educated subsistence labor from the farms. That paradigm is being passed by by the realities of modern manufacturing. Now, I have suggested, and I will be writing this in a paper, that one way around this is the following. Let's take something that has been a successful, basically a successful policy paradigm in Africa, Africa all of Africa, entrepreneurship. They have really believed that small business was a way out of a very high unemployment rate. Of course, that, that's how I met them. I was you know, um, involved in small business research when I found myself on a plane to Johannesburg in 1995. And let's merge that with industrialization. Let's cr try to create clusters that influence high-tech startups. And let's use those high-tech startups to create uh, clusters and have clusters create supply chains, and supply chains create more high-tech startups. 
let's get the supply chain high-tech machine going. And I think if they that's doable, you'll read it when I write the article. But I think if they do that, it could have the same kind of thing as the Lewis paradigm did years ago. That may be. We may need a more advanced Lewis paradigm. It's doable, but more it has to be more specific. It's more complicated than just moving than just the movement from farms to factories, but it's doable. So for now, this is a complicated topic. I think that the world needs in and in, in the circumstances that the world is dealing with today the world, and particularly global manufacturers, U.S. manufacturers, need to really keep their eyes on Africa. Second most populated landmass, 54 countries, pockets of rapid economic growth. There's even been some interesting technological investments in Ethiopia and Kenya in particular that really juice the rapid growth that we have seen in those two um, nations. So, let me give you my closing arguments, and we'll we'll cut it off for now. But believe me, I will be having other experts on Africa on this show because this story is really coming down the pike. So what are my closing arguments? While uneven, Africa's non-inflationary growth potential is increasingly apparent in the data. It's becoming a good story, not a Pollyannish one. Not a booming one, but the data are telling us that something is churning. A positive labor force trajectory is a significant comparative advantage that could reinforce Africa's potential. You can get people in Africa. You can Labor is abundant in Africa, where it's becoming scarce in much of the rest of the world. Third, African urbanization could stimulate stronger labor productivity growth. Research has shown that. That means stronger economic growth. But the failure of manufacturing to play its Lewis paradigm role, its historic development role, is a challenge. One solution is to build upon Africa's entrepreneurship policy paradigm to integrate industrialization and entrepreneurship. I'm going to effort to keep my listeners really ahead of the curve. Today, the world is very much focusing on the China-U.S. trade spat. We will be focusing on it, too. It's been a difficult day in the markets. It's been a difficult day for policy discussions. But I want you to think, of, not only about today, but I want you to think about the world that's coming, and coming soon. And one of them is the vast and interesting African continent. For Cliff Waldman, this is, I'm Cliff Waldman, and I'm reminding you that manufacturing matters. And I'll see you next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.